0: You are listening to a sermon preached at Still Bay Baptist Church in Still Bay, South Africa. For more information, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you be blessed in listening to God's word today. We're in a series in the Book of Colossians, and if you miss out and you feel you want to follow us, we're now on a podcast. We don't have videos anymore, but we have a podcast for our sermons. Um, and what we are currently busy with in, in Colossians 3 is dealing with the, with the issues in life, the troubles in life. So a lot to do with the things that I do wrong, the things that I, I know I shouldn't be doing but I keep on doing it, or things that I know I shouldn't do but I want to do it, um, the pain, the suffering, the struggles in relationships, all these type of things. And one thing that we must be honest about is that if we look at the world and we are honest, we must realize that the world is actually getting worse in terms of these things. It doesn't get better. There are many areas where things get better. We have much better medicine and technology. But in terms of people relationships, in terms of how people act and behave towards each other, war and hatred, it's just getting worse. It's shocking to think that slavery is the biggest it's ever been. Now we're talking about physical slavery. Physical slavery is the biggest it's ever been in the history of the world. But it's underground. We don't see it. It's not someone who put people on a boat and they sell them on the market. It's predominantly women and children sold as slaves for, for working for other purposes. And why? Why are we still there in 2023? Now that is just the external things. Never mind all the internal things people are dealing with. Fear, anger, anger. Um, Depression skyrocketed because of COVID. That's what they because of COVID. It's not because of COVID. COVID was just a catalyst who brought people to a point where they realized, I can't do this. I don't have the strength to do this. Never mind gluttony and all these other things. Um, Depression is is rampant. Now, what is always funny for me is that the countries who proclaim to be the happiest in the world, who, who know which countries those are, predominantly, Scandinavian countries, on all these happiness indexes, they're always the highest, now there's another list of, who do you think are the countries in the world that most use the most antidepressants, the Scandinavian countries, it's not internal happiness that gets them there, why is this so, because there are no real solutions for these troubles outside of Jesus, There are no real solutions, lasting solutions, eternal solutions for any of these things outside of Jesus. There's only one solution for the Russia versus Ukraine war and the Israel versus Hamas, and it is for people to find Jesus and follow Him and submit to Him. The only real solution is for people to be born again. And the the thing also about being born again is that Dealing with the stuff in your life is just the secondary reason of being born again. This is not your worst problem to be dealt with in born again. Your worst problem is that you're heading for the lake of fire. In the Afrikaans service, we looked at 2 Thessalonians 1 where God says, it's right for me to come and punish people when I come back. And so that is what waiting, and so we have to be born again. We have to, we have to get to that point. Um, it's scary to think that one day for people who reject Jesus and reject His offer, His good news of, of salvation, they will look at their lives at the moment that's full of trouble and fighting and things, and one day they're going to look back at this as the best life ever. They would wish they could be back here with load shedding and fears about the future because everything they're facing is far worse than what they're facing now. But thanks be to God who not only show us a way to be born again, but He helps us um, um, in the midst of what we're going through. He helps us being healed. And so we are now a couple of times in this passage in Colossians 3. And some of you might think we're saying things over and over again. Now they tell you, um, you have to hear something seven times before you start listening. So we're on our way there. But I'm going to remind you again where we've been on this journey. And so the first one is a picture and this idea that, and remember, we, we're representing a child of God yeah. So the black heart, we're not talking about an unsaved heart. We're talking about all the stuff that's still in there that is causing your issues. We've just sang a song that says, um, no longer a slave of sin. Are children of God slaves of sin? I love it when people disagree because then we can go to God's word. Romans is very, very clear. We are no longer slaves of sin. Now that's a bit shocking because it means every time I sin, I can do something about it or I could have done something about it. The, the picture that often described is like someone who's in a prison with this heavy gate and the gate is locked and someone comes, a savior, and he breaks that lock open and he throws the chain away but the door is still closed and the guy inside is still sitting there. They going. oh, it's so terrible to be a prisoner. It's so terrible that I have to sit here my whole life. Meanwhile, the doors open and you can walk out. And that's often what happens to believers as well. That the moment we saved, we are set free from the power of sin. But we still live there where we keep on sinning. We still keep the same things in our heart that make us sin and do the things. Now, what we said from this picture is that the wrong things in your heart causes your wrong behavior your anger um, your way that you treat other people the way you speak sexual dysfunction all of that now there are a lot of questions like like carl j are you saying that i'm the only person to be blamed for my troubles what about the people who hurt me aren't they to be blamed as well Why must I be the one to blame if they're the one that hurt me? Say, for instance, someone hurt me in my past. And because of that, I'm very fearful, or I'm very depressed, or I'm very anxious. Surely it's not me. Now, what we must learn from this picture is that it's not just my bad heart things that are causing my troubles. It's also other people's bad hearts that are causing my troubles. But the solution, in spite of where it comes from, is still to find, make right with God. So even if it's not predominantly or primarily my reason that I got here, the solution to get out of it is the same. Because I can't choose what people do to me, but I can choose how I respond to what they did to me. That's where the difference lies. Um, And so then we say, the journey to find out what is wrong in my heart is to ask lots of why questions. Why do I do this? Um, I am very fearful. I think that's the one I did last time. Let's pick another one. Um, I am very um, angry. Like, very angry. Why am I angry? Because life is just not going like I planned it to go. Okay, but why do you think life should go like you planned it to go? Because I put a lot of effort into putting things in place and getting to where I want to go, and now it's not getting there. So why do you think your efforts are good enough to get you there? Because I'm a good person that works hard. Why do you think you're a good person? Because I'm not as bad as that guy. <laughs> but why do you think you're a good person? And then what the beginning of Colossians says, the further we deep, the, the quickly we realize, but my problem is I'm on the throne here. Yeah? Even though I've been saved, sometimes I still kick Jesus away and I say, no, 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 this day will be about me. This event, this part of my life is about me and about what I want um, And so what Colossians then tells us that I have to learn to put this to death. These evil desires, these these covetousness, this this self-idolatry. I have to put it to death. Do I have the power to put it to death? Yes. Why is the answer yes? Because God will never tell you to do something that's impossible to do. So if ever you find a command in the Bible... Don't go, oh, that's not going to work. But if you try it in your own strength, you're not going to get there. That's the whole point. If I say, well, I'm going to do the work now that to put to death my selfishness, it's never going to work. But if I come submit to God's power to put away selfishness, I'm going to get there. And the example we use is like with power steering. Now, if you have power steering, um, is it you that te- turning that wheel of the car? Not the steering wheel, the wheel. Are you turning the wheel of the car? No, there's engines, I don't know anything about cars, so don't laugh. There are magical men sitting inside turning the wheels, no. (laughs) There are engines and motors inside that the moment I touch the steering wheel, there are motors that then turn the wheel. That's why it's power steering, I don't have to use force anymore. So who's turning the wheels? Am I turning the wheels? Yes and no. Will the wheel turn if I do nothing? No, it won't. I have to make the decision, this is going to happen now. I have to do the things that I have to do, and then the power kicks in. And that's the same thing with these things. I have to come to God and say, God, I repent of my selfishness. I am so much the God of my life, and I don't want help me put to death. God, I repent of my sexual evil desires that is contrary to your will. It's not me. It's not my identity because it's against you. I can't change it. But you can. And then I submit to God. And so once you've started doing that, then you are able to put away these bad things as well. When I start dealing with my selfishness, suddenly people, I don't get angry so quickly when people do something wrong. Because I'm not the whole time busy protecting self. Or uplifting self. If I've died to self and you say something bad about me, it's like, okay, join the club. I also told God how bad I am. Just join the club. So... And so that's why you are then enabled, but the process doesn't stop there. Um, is this easy? What happens when you start doing this process? Your flesh digs in his nails and say, "How dare you try to get rid of me? How dare you try to battle me?" And it becomes more difficult, and you become more angry, and you have to keep on putting, de- put to death, put to death, put away. But once this is done, you now have to put good things inside your heart. Your heart can't be empty. You can't just remove and kill things and leave an empty heart. You have to put good things in your heart that then leads to good actions, good behavior, good living, good attitudes, good words, good all those type of things. Um, One important thing about this whole process, well, it's not a sequential process. You don't kill everything in your heart and then you remove all your bad behaviors and then you put good things in your heart and then you do good things. You get on this journey, and then you suddenly realize, oh my goodness, in this area of my life, I'm still self-worshipping. And so then you go back, and you put that thing to death, and then it changes your life again. And as you start putting love in your heart, now that's what we spoke about last week. Put love in your heart, and you go, God, I choose to love people. And then God says, what about your mother-in-law? Okay. Why do I have such a problem with my mother-in-law? Because she tells me I'm not good enough. Why does it bother me when my mother-in-law tells me that, that I'm not good enough? Because I am good enough. Why do you think you're good enough? Because I am the God of my life. And suddenly, whoa, there's still things here in my heart that needs to be dealt with. And then I put that self-worship to death, and then I love my, grand, my mother-in-law. You understand? So it's a process that it often takes you back to realize there are still things going. Like I said, so last week we spoke about put love in your heart. That starts there. Everything else goes on. Now the next thing he speaks about is to put peace in your heart. You can open your Bibles to Colossians 3 verse 15. Colossians 3 is a very short one today. Only one verse. Colossians 3 verse 15. Thank you, Anton. is going to come and read to us. Thank you, Anton. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. So the, the next step after I've, I've made a choice to love, I've made a choice to love God and I've made a choice to love others, because God enabled me to do that, because He loved me first, um, the the next step of that outflow of the love is peace. Now it speaks about the peace of Christ. Um, who knows? I was going to get chocolates and I completely forgot. So I'll owe you a chocolate. Remind me. The first question is easy. The second one is difficult. The first question is: What is peace in Hebrew? No one put up the hand, so you're all disqualified. So, okay. <laughs> Next question. What is peace in Greek? Well, Irene. Irene. Well done, Mark. You, you get a chocolate. So, um, Irene. So there's a place in, in Pretoria called Irene. It's the Greek word for peace. Um, now, it is very fitting that we hit peace today because long before I knew this is where we're going to be today in Colossians, I decided that our December series is going to be about peace seeking shalom. Because peace is such a difficult thing to understand. How much of it can we have? Because I think we're all in agreement that I can't have full, absolute peace on earth. It's just impossible with evil people and the situation we're in. That God's understanding of peace is just not possible. It's only going to come when He returns. But how much is possible? Is there nothing? Is it 10%? Are there certain areas where there will just be no peace? Are there certain areas where we need to work for more peace and well-being? That's going to be our December series. And you'll see, we're going to talk about Shalom with God, Shalom in your life, then Christmas Day, Shalom in Jesus, and then 31st of December, Shalom in the world. So there's your advert for December. Um, But back to this one. Um, The one thing we notice is that Jesus often says, My peace is not like the the peace of the world. Um, the peace of Christ is different. What is the world's definition of peace? No fighting. Would you agree? No conflict. If everyone can just sit on their own chair and leave each other alone and have some peace for one moment, leave, stop going over the border, just stay where you are, look after yourself. That's the world's definition of peace. Um, not fighting. Now the problem, there are many problems with that definition. The problem is that not fighting is such a limited, small understanding of what could be. Imagine your goal for your relationship with your spouse is, I just don't want to fight. What do you want from this marriage? I don't want to fight. Is that enough? No, there's more. I want to experience love. I want to show love. I want to have goodness. I want to have fellowship. I want to have communion. There's so many good things more than just not fighting. And the other problem with the world's definition is that you sometimes have to fight to get to God's peace. Does that make sense? You sometimes have to go through conflict to resolve things to get to God's definition of peace. Now, what, is, what does God tell us about His peace? In John 14:27, He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid. Does it define peace for us here? Not enough. It just says what it's not. But it doesn't tell us what it is. And that's a bit problematic because it's fine. Okay, it's not like the world, but what is it now? Do you know it does explain it to us? That's verse 27. Do you know what verse 26 says? The peace I leave with you, verse 26 says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, Whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace is to have the Holy Spirit. That's peace. And then suddenly everything about the Holy Spirit starts making sense. Peace is not just about not fighting. It's about love and kindness and self-control and living for God and being in community, the body. That's all part of of God's definition of peace. And so what he says is that this peace must rule in your heart. Um, Not optional. I can't ever as a Christian say, you treated me like that, so therefore you will get it from me. You cannot say this. Because if peace rules is the boss in my heart, then all my relationships must be defined by it. In all my relationships, I must pursue peace. And then he says, because this is to which you were called in one body. Why do we aim for peace? When God rebirthed us, He placed us in one body, a church, a community. And in that community, it will only work if there's peace. Start with love, get to peace. Now, God's definition of peace in Shalom is well-being, caring, community with each other. Um, and this is why God's definition of peace is so different. Because, again, the world's definition of peace is try to, try to try to keep people apart. Just keep people apart and there will be no fighting. God says, no, 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 no. I want you to unite, to combine and to, in that, experience the goodness. Um, and then he gets to this point and he says, and be thankful. And it seems like he just threw it in there. We're talking about peace now, and now he just throwing in, be thankful. But in the Greek, this is part of the same sentence. And I had to go sit and think, but what does thankful have to do with peace? And luckily, my wife was clever enough to say that the key between them is contentment. Why don't I have peace? Because I don't have contentment. If I'm not content in my life, I'm demokar and I'm upset and stuff. Contentment leads to peace. What leads to contentment? By looking at my life and focusing on the things that I must be thankful for and not focusing on the things that that is trying to steal my peace and steal my joy. Because that's what Satan does. And I think you can admit to this that If you go through a day and hundred things go well and two things go very badly, how are you going to classify that day at the end of the day? This was a bad day. You woke up, I had a bed to sleep in, I had food to eat, I have my family around me, I have a job, I can drive to my job. I have a computer that someone invented that helps me do my job faster. Um, I have colleagues who work with me. Um, I can lunchtime go and eat a meal. And I come back and the boss says, oh, you never do your work properly. And you go, what a terrible day. What a terrible day this was. How dare my boss say that to me. What should you do then? Why does it upset me so much when my boss says this to me? Because it's obviously a heart issue that's causing me to be upset about it. But you understand what he's saying? If you can focus on the fact of being thankful for what God is doing, it brings you to a place of contentment that brings you to a place of peace. That you can do these things that he calls you to do. Now there's a lot more to say about peace, and we're going to do it for the rest of December. But I want to summarize it like this. Once you've decided that I'm not going to be God in my own heart, the first thing we said you must do is to put love there. In other words, in the past, I was the person living in my heart. Everything was for me. And he says, just get out for a while. Put God in and put other people in. Then you're allowed to climb back in. Because the moment you climb in, there's space for nobody. Get God in there, get other people in there, and then get yourself in there and let your love be there. And then you suddenly realize, whoa, I'm in community. And part of community is to live in peace. Be content, be happy, be thankful. Um, now i to end with this as well. This is a command. This is something that we must do. It's not going to happen automatically. If I'm in this peace what's the opposite of peace? If I'm, I wouldn't say war because war is too far. If there's no peace between me and someone else, and I leave it, I am disobedient to God. And it's not just about disobedient to God. I'm messing everything up. All other relationships around me, all other things, my emotional well-being, my thing. Everything is harmed because I'm not listening to God to say, be at peace, live in peace. And so what I'm hoping is happening, and we're going to end with this. As you hear all of this, that God places names in your heart of people you're saying, I'm not living in communal, caring peace with this person when I should be. The people that in my sphere that God placed there are the people that I need to love, the people that I need to be at peace with. And there's issues here. God says, go resolve it. Fix it. It's worth it. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, that we can be reminded again that you never call us to do anything that you haven't done for us first. Thank you that at this time of the year, the world is celebrating Jesus. Thank you that we can celebrate Emmanuel, that we can celebrate the Prince of Peace, who came down to us to make peace between us and God. And Lord, thank you that this peace between us and you is not just a case of not fighting. But that there's so much more to it. That there's love and community and care. And Lord, help us to do the same for those around us. Help us to let peace rule in our heart. Not just the option for when things go well. But that peace sets the pace of how we interact with people. How we deal with relationships. How we deal with the people who hurt us. That we don't pursue revenge, but that we pursue peace in all these cases. Lord, I want to pray for those here today who might have been harmed and hurt by people. Where peace is the last thing in their minds. Lord, thank you that when we were enemies of you, you made peace. So Lord, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit will gently come and heal. And show the road to healing. And empower healing in these situations so that we can live in peace. That is our, my prayer in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. I hope you are blessed in hearing God's word today. For more information or prayer, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you find your life in Jesus Christ and Him alone.